Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 172, The Body and All Its Forms. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Leah as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing great. That's fantastic, and I pronounced your name correctly, right Leah? Yes, you did. Perfect, perfect. I don't want to okay, mess okay. up. I tend to mess up a lot, but I didn't mess up, so... That's a good start. You're doing great. <laughs> yes, doing great so far. Pat on the back. But yes, it's not about me trying to figure out how to pronounce names correctly. It's all about Leah and her hobby of acrobatics. Now, before mm-hmm. we jump into the topic of today, I'm sure the listeners would love to know who is Leah? Mm-hmm. Who is she? Um, well, my name is Leah Orleans and I am I do acrobatics and I teach fitness, and I travel around the country during times when I, I safely can, <laughs> um, entertaining people and teaching teaching fitness and classes. And it's not safe now, but there's probably some online options to do it, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time on Zoom right now. Yes. And this is a weird segue. Actually, you know what? It's a pr- appropriate segue. More to go into who you are. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects you're working on so people can come check you out? It can be related to your hobby. It can be related to absolutely anything at all. Yeah. So you can find me at ABCs of Fitness on Instagram or theabcsoffitness.com. And that's where I have body positive and energetic, gentle workout programs that also kick your butt, but they approach fitness at a completely different way than a lot of other um, workout videos and home workouts approach fitness. So this is all about feeling good. And my theory behind it is the more you feel good, the more you'll actually do it instead of being pressured or shamed into working out. Um, it's It's more about enjoying the process. So you can find me at ABCs of Fitness. Perfect. I'll put that all in the description down below. And it's kind of like any type of education. The more engaging it is, the more educational it is, the more you want to learn. Absolutely. I think there's a a huge entertainment level involved or an entertainment element of fitness that needs to be involved to keep people wanting to come back for more. And I was looking over your Instagram page and your website and you seem like you have that energy, the ability to connect with people and feel like... You, they deserve your attention or you deserve their attention. Kind of like that one-on-one feeling. You, you, you deliver mm-hmm. that, if that makes any sense in the way yeah, I'm saying absolutely. it. <laughs> no, 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 you're spot on. A lot of what I do is working with individuals um, one-on-one through Instagram DMs or email and talking to them about what they need, what they ind- individually need to feel motivated and good about their bodies. I need everything. Can you offer that? (laughs) Everything. I mean, we can start start with a a little more or less list, you know, what you need more of and what you need less of in your life. It's a good place to start. Let's start with the top of my (laughs) head and work our way down. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, we'll talk about that later. But right now we're going to jump or I guess, yeah, maybe jump, jump right into acrobatics. So how did you actually get introduced to acrobatics as your hobby? So I started doing gymnastics when I was a kid. Um, But as soon as I, when I, as I got better and as I grew up, as soon as I started to get to the level of competition, I started to freak out a lot and got very anxious. And I found circus and acrobatics as this really wonderful kind of second cousin to gymnastics without the competitive element, without the shame and the degradation that sometimes comes with gymnastics. So that's how I found circus. And at what age did this start to happen? About 11, 12 was when I found my first youth circus program seventh eighth grade and so you've been doing it for a lot of years now so you must know so many different types of moves i, I do have questions for that later on but so actually why not, why not ask uh, what is your preferred style of acrobatics if you can break it down into different types of 
body movements or flexibility yeah. or movements? Yes. Yeah, so I, I definitely focus in contortion and hand-to-hand acrobatics. Uh, those are the two elements. So partner acrobatics. I have a, a base, a big, strong man who carries me around and throws me in the air. Um, and, and he's a partner of mine. And then I also do contortion and flexibility based acrobatics. So I'm not necessarily a tumbler. I can do cartwheels and round offs and walkovers and handsprings, but I'm, it's definitely not my strong suit. Uh, I am not doing as many long lines of tumbling moves as you might see other acrobats do. So you mentioned that you usually have a partner to do the acrobatics with. Mm -hmm. How long does it usually take you to get comfortable with a new partner to understand each other's movements and work on that communication aspect? That's a really great question. Um, I've really only worked with one partner intensely. We've been working together for the past seven years. Um, His name is Etienne McKinley, and we we perform together and work together. And we really hit it off. I think that it, when I look at other duos and, and other partner acrobatic teams that I know too, it is that way. Um, there's definitely in the hobbyists and in the hobby community, there's more of a partner swapping and sharing that happens. But I find that when you really want to get into the advanced skills, you have to stay with one partner and really work through the hard moments with them too, to be able to get to the hard tricks. To answer your original question, probably six months to a year for us to really, really start to adapt to each other in full. And to master those hard tricks, how long does it usually take for both of you? Well, mostly you, because today is all about you. So how long does it usually take you to master a new trick? Drastically depends on the trick. I mean, there are skills that are closer to things we already know, or maybe the next level up from something that we've already built a foundation on that we can learn quickly in one session or three sessions or five sessions. And then there are other tricks that take literally years you have to start from the bottom and work on their foundational skills um, and really strengthen those until you can get up safely enough to work on on the the full skill. Now, this might be a stupid question, but does it ever happen to you guys where you were doing like your normal routine, your normal training routine, and then you accidentally did a weird movement and you're like, wait, wait, do that again. That was cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like like the explorative side, side of it. Yeah. So in acrobatics and circus, there's it's called research. Uh, and that's when, when you play essentially and you play around and maybe you do research for an hour and you discover and you tilt and you, not, I don't want to say you mess up because it's not about intentionally messing up. It's about exploration. So you're both in that headspace or if I'm working solo, I'm in that headspace of let's just see what I can do. Let's see what I can play with. And we don't do that around really dangerous stuff because it's not safe. We do it around safer things. So that's where the the creativity really comes in. Now, this is a weird connection from one of my previous episodes. I interviewed a guy about parkour and he was saying that you have to get in that mindset to not be too safe in the sense that if you feel like you're not going to be doing it, of course, stay safe, but kind of like try to put yourself in the mindset that you can't doubt yourself when you're doing something. Because if you do a move and in the middle of it, you doubt yourself, things can go wrong. So you got to full, go fully in. So on that note, when you do try, let's say, these dangerous moves, do you do it more in a like padded area or you're more confident? I don't know what is the best answer to or best question to ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a parkour person. I'm not a risk taker. As much as I do really love acrobatics, a lot of the work that I do is in a controlled environment, especially when we're trying new things and getting, you know, explorative with it. We need to be in a situation where there are mats or I'm attached to safety lines or we have specifics that are helping us be able to play safely or coaches or spotters 
um, as well. And that's when I feel the most confident to commit to the movement. A lot of safety in acrobatics comes from committing. If you go into it with hesitancy, you're more likely to not stick it or not, not land it safely. So committing to something, even if it's a crazy, weird idea, but committing to it in a safe environment. Of course, of course. And speaking about a safe environment, you were telling me that this place that have uh, ropes that can tie you in or pads, do you ever do, let's say, some safer training exercises at home? Yeah, absolutely. Especially right now. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are a whole, whole bunch of drills and exercises that we do at home. We don't really try a lot of new stuff at home. Um, it's not as safe, but we're doing drills and foundational things that really keep us strong. When you are able to do new stuff, let's say when you were back in the gym or the arena, wherever you do training, have you ever created your own move? And if so, did you ever give it a name? Yeah, we we do. We, I often give names of things based on where we learned them. So we have like we have a move called the AYCO which stands for Acro Yoga Colorado, because that's where we <laughs> kind of figured out and got things together at an Acro Yoga gym in, in Colorado. Um, and we often name moves after our coaches as well. Uh, we have the Xiaohong and the Micah and, and a bunch of other names that are based off of people that have helped us. Yeah, things, anything that can help us remember what we're doing, essentially. <laughs> no, that makes complete sense. People use this kind of logic when it comes to remembering keywords when you're doing a test. Uh, I right. do it a lot. And this is a weird segue to another question, but it's really tough. But what is your favorite move? And if so, I'm going to make this even tougher. Can you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, one of the my favorite tricks that I do is when my partner is lying down on his feet with his legs up in the air. And then I sit on his feet and he grabs my feet, if that makes sense, if you can get that, that foundational position in your head. And then I jump while he kicks at the same time and I go up into the air and then I do a full front flip and then I open up my body and I land right where I started. And that's, that's one of my favorite moves because um, it's all about timing and communication. And having some sort of confidence that you're going to land the move and not doubt yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and listening, listening to your partner with your your senses. So there is a lot of communication that goes on while you're doing the exercise, because sometimes in the movies, you just feel like there's a telepathic connection between people. But I would imagine mm -hmm. when you're training, there is a lot of verbal communication as well. Yes, there's a lot of verbal and a lot of physical. So he'll squeeze my feet as like ready, go, or he'll, we'll breathe together. We'll both kind of take an inhale and time that breath and feel, feel the the communication through it and when we practice a lot there's a lot of little squeezing that we do to each other like he'll tap my foot i'll squeeze his foot like there will be a lot of little tiny communications that happen that nobody else would see from the outside but it's in between us and it lets each other know where we're at and and if something needs to be changed it's your feet speaking in morse code right <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> and and there's little things like that that make such a big difference you know it really says so much there's so much communication in it and I bet you as well that at this point, you are pretty confident and your partner as well at reading each other's faces, knowing like just a yes. subtle like twitch saying, oh, wait, no, yeah. that's not right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, going back to the actual move aspects, what are some of the most complex moves positions you have ever mastered? 
We do a, a there's a few. We do a trick uh, where I stand in his hands and he's standing up and he throws me up and I do a backward somersault, like a back tuck. And then as I come down, as I fall down, he catches me around his waist. That took us the lot. It's the longest trick. It's the longest time we've ever needed to learn a trick. So it's pretty complex. And then there are some flexibility moves that I do and contortion moves that are high level as well. I think a contortion push up was one of the hardest things I ever learned um, where my feet are over my head. So I'm bent backwards, but I'm on my chest and I put my hands on either side and I push my whole body weight up with my feet staying over my head. And then I lower myself down and then I do it again. Um, and that took a really long time to learn. And that process was horrible, but I did it. <laughs> but now you can do it in your sleep, of course. Well, I, I could at the time. I haven't done it in probably six months. And I don't know if I can pull one off right now, to be honest. I haven't really been training it. But when you learn those specific muscles and, and you learn those tricks and the, the connections, the proprioceptive awareness, um, it does come back pretty quickly if I decided to commit to regaining that the bicep strength and the pec strength for it. Just keep in the back of your head that at least you're better than Alex. Just... Just that. <laughs> it is not a competition at all. <laughs> if it was, you'd beat me 100% of the time. <laughs> well, I can't grow a beard, so you win. If my beards can do like if my beard can do acrobatics, then uh, I deserve a medal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so actually, just watching other people doing acrobatics, have you ever seen, let's say, on TV or YouTube or even in person, a move or a series of moves that you saw and you're like, how did they do that? And to this to this day. You are still trying to figure out how to perform that move. Well, yeah, a lot of acrobatics is well, once you're really aware of of the skill itself, most moves are either done with timing or strength or flexibility. And which percentages of those are, you know, each will like certain acrobatic moves take more strength, less flexibility. Certain acrobatic moves take more flexibility, less strength or a lot of everything. Certain moves too, I'll just never be able to do because of my proportions and the way that I'm constructed uh, or the way that my partner is constructed. Like my partner and I really can't do counterbalances too well. Uh, we're not really great at, at using our weight to pull against each other because I'm really tiny and I don't have a lot of weight to, to counter where you have other duos that are closer in weight together and they can do some really, really cool crazy looking counterbalance moves that look like physics is just out the window. And that's an actual, that reminds me of uh, a weird question that I just came up, which isn't technically reminding, but a question that I just came up with, what are some advantages for somebody who has a shorter body versus somebody who has a longer body when it comes to acrobatics? For partner acrobatics, when you're smaller, usually you can get thrown a little higher, maybe depending on um, all of these have a huge amount of exceptions as well. I've seen flyers who are tall to be a flyer who are incredible so there are a ton of exceptions take everything i say with a grain of salt but when you're smaller as a flyer usually that's helpful uh when you're a base the the person that does all the throwing usually it's a little more beneficial to be bigger to have broader shoulders be a little taller to have a lot of leg strength a lot of legs is really important for a base bases do not skip leg day a lot of glutes <laughs> and, and uh, quads and calves involved in stability. My partner is also a juggler and has really great awareness of throwing and catching things. And that really came in handy because he's throwing and catching me now. 
So there are little skills like that that kind of piggyback on what you're doing already. For just half a second, I just imagine when you said your partner is a juggler, I just imagine him just juggling you and a few other people at the same time. Like, that, that might be pretty impressive. And actually speaking about jugglers, yeah, speaking about jugglers, uh, it's thanks to our mutual friend, Justin, that uh, we got to yes. connect to each other or get connected. Yeah. So shout out to Justin. <laughs> yes. Rip man, Justin. He's great. Yes. Yes. So he's been on here twice, but today it's all about you. Justin, sorry, you had your time. Now it's Leah's time. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry, Justin. <laughs> I met him at the Witch Convention in LA. Oh, well, there he goes. It's a small world, right? Yeah. Wonderful. And now still on to the topic of moves. Are there any moves or position on your bucket list that you still want to achieve? I would love to try Russian Cradle, um, which is a, a kind of acrobatics that involves the base being pretty locked down in the structure that's high in the air. I'd also really like to work with multiple bases and do Bankin, which is another style of acrobatics where you're getting pitched by, by a few different people um, at the same time, kind of back and forth. And yeah, just kind of keep working on what I'm working on, getting better a little bit, you know, every day. I, I found it interesting when you said, you know, just get tossed around by other people. I'm just thinking hot potato for some reason. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it looks a little hot potato-y. Yeah. Yeah, but don't, don't drop you. Don't drop you. <laughs> and for you, what would you say is the best part about acrobatics on a personal and an emotional level? Hmm, I think that it's really fun and I have a lot of joy in working a little bit every day on something that you see grow exponentially. So I like going in and training and getting a little bit better at handstands every day or a little bit more flexible with my splits every day. And working working in this way, I find to be very satisfying. I also really just like moving my body a lot. It's very cathartic for me. Uh, fitness in general and working out a lot releases a lot of great chemicals into your body that make you feel really good. So I find that to be really fun. And it's something to look forward to that that's not competitive as well that I really enjoy. There's no winning and losing. Um, it's just about, you know, having fun and trying to land a new trick, but not necessarily working for a competition or a reason. Well, yeah, exactly. You're doing it for yourself. You don't have, the only person you have to compete against is your yesterday self, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> and your own personal goals and, and the inspiration that you might be getting from other people. Yeah, and you can go at your own speed. There is no rush whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. And you're talking about you like training on little things and just improving every single day. So what is your strongest quality? Is it speed, agility, flexibility, strength, the ability to manipulate time, space? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think flexibility is, is definitely a strong suit for me compared to other flyers. But I also really love just being funny with it and, and adding an elements of comedy and theater, like theatrical comedy to it. And that's something that's really, really different. And I feel really comfortable in front of an audience and in front of people uh, showing off skills as well. And I have a lot of, like, I don't get a lot of stage fright. So I think that that, I definitely find that to be a strong suit. Now, for my guests, or I'm, maybe even me, for people who are trying to figure out how they, you combine comedy and acrobatics together, I saw it on the videos, I saw it on Instagram as well, but... How would you describe your comedy combined with your acrobatics? Is it kind of like one of those things where you almost pretend to fall, but you actually have your balance or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit of that. I, I think that it involves first showing our audience that we're real people and, and connecting with them and making them laugh about things that they laugh about in their own lives as well and getting a real sense of, of connection. 
And then when we do our tricks, they care about us that much more. And they have that connection with us that's already formed. So then when we do something scary, there's this added tension involved compared to like if you go to a Cirque du Soleil show and you see this painted, you know, ethereal character doing something dangerous, you're very disconnected from them. And you kind of get this overwhelming sense of like, oh, well, they are this other, they are this superhuman who can do anything. So of course they can do that crazy thing. And you don't have as much like stakes involved because you don't relate to them as hard. Where I think in in the kind of work that I do and the the shows that we do, we really make a point to make people feel like we're their best friends, or, you know, where they relate to us or we remind them of people that they know through humor and maybe pop culture references and funny jokes about our relationship. That's that's really interesting. I like the idea that you connect with the audience first saying, hey, you and I, we're friends now and you try to relate with them. So everything you do later on is kind of like, oh, no, I don't want my friend to get hurt. Oh, no. And they're like on the edge right, of their seat, exactly. just hoping like, please don't get hurt. Please. Oh, no, 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 no. Leah. And they come underneath to try to catch you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They, they really, they really do. And it's fun to watch them, to watch, watch that, you know, from the stage and to see them get this like, <gasps> you know, anxiety. <laughs> it's just a, just a it mini heart attack. Yeah, it means I did my job. You know what? That's, I can see that being very inspirational for people to watch. Like, cool, the idea, not just the acrobatics, but the way that you connect with people. And this is also an odd segue, but do you have any inspirations when it comes to the world of acrobatics, whether it's other athletes or other performers? Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're always scrolling the internet. You know, we're always looking on Instagram and YouTube and watching old and weird and interesting circus shows and clips from cabaret shows. But we try really hard not to just lift anything from anybody. I don't think that, you know, it's very much so an art form that involves uniqueness and creativity. But I find a lot of inspiration, too, in like old radio shows and, and humor that's uh, kind of maybe a little vintage. Uh, my partner, who does a lot of the joke writing, does a lot of writing based on the style of old radio shows. And then I really like looking at just like fun, like 20s, 30s and 40s dance movies. There's a lot of really fantastic dance films that were made back then, like really fun, upbeat, uptempo music. And they're like these music videos that were essentially shot. They have incredible dancers and a lot of character and a lot of really fun posing, um, a lot of hands out kind of jazz square style stuff. And I am always really inspired when I get to go down the YouTube rabbit hole. Well, shout out to those videos that inspired you. And for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started acrobatics? Um, I think a big challenge was finding the right coach, finding coaches and a community that aligned with my goals as well. I think that because it's there's so many different um, kinds of acrobatics and sex of acrobatics there's a lot of different like pedagogies and, and mental systems that are taken down through traditional acrobatics like chinese style and russian style and french style are all very different and then that's passed down and then there's original circus style too which is has a, a different skill to it and a different kind of sense of training so finding the one that worked for me the best was difficult. And even in that process, there is no one that works the best for me. It's kind of a, a hodgepodge of Russian training technique with like a, a French training style. And we just tried to train as much as possible as well. And, and I think that helped just logging hours, no matter what style you're doing. 
You know what? It's basically cooking where you just take a little bit of spice, a little bit of this, and you just make your own new fantastic meal that is perfect for your taste buds and acrobatics. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what I felt like. Now you're saying that you're trying to find which one works best for you and you're looking all, looking up to all these people who are doing it. Have you ever actually taught anybody else how to do acrobatics? Yes, absolutely. I've been training and teaching all across the country over the past five years. I've, as I've been touring the show, we've been stopping in cities and t- teaching classes and training classes. Uh, I've taught in 15 different states and two countries. So that's kind of fun. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's been it's been a nice little old tour across, and I, it's been really really satisfying to watch people grow and change through this. Now, without revealing the family secret sauce, what would be the first thing you would teach me if I were to come there? Hmm, I would. It would depend <laughs> on what you wanted to learn. I mean, if you were working on splits, I'd probably teach you how to do like a nice square lunge first. But if if you wanted to maybe throw me up in the air one day. We might work on a low foot to hand where you lie on your back with your hands up and then I step into your hands and I teach you how to balance me in your hands. Okay, I need to do a lot more up to body work, a lot more leg days. Push ups. <laughs> Push ups and just like chest presses and bicep curls. How about that? It's a good place to start. The whole works, the whole shebang. <laughs> Okay, so that's, that is that is a good piece of advice and that would be interesting to try out, but it kind of means I have to train beforehand. Uh, the split sounds more reasonable. I'm not flexible, but the way you're saying that we can do it sounds more promising and not just okay. like, all right, just do the splits. Kind of like, don't just dive into cold water. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, let's start with a lunch, a nice square lunch. Yeah, yeah, start with sitting, then think, think, think. Okay, then, then split. No, I'm kidding, don't do that. Uh, so yeah, back to you. What was your, sorry, what is your current biggest challenge? Well, staying at home and not being able to go out and travel and teach is pretty hard. So that's definitely something that I'm working on now. And just also figuring out the most efficient way for me to train myself and to work on myself and to work on my own goals instead of just helping everybody else on Zoom all the time. Um, and balancing that, that work-life balance is, is definitely tricky. And you were talking about that you teach people on Zoom. What would be the biggest challenge with that? Because there's not that in-person touch, right? I want to touch them. It's hard to not be able to, <laughs> to get my hands on people. I'm so used to to assisting physically with with moves, and also I get to assess really well when I when I push somebody down, or I get to feel them and, and feel how much resistance they have or where they need to to push. But I'm definitely getting better at using specific language to give them very specific cues. And, you know, using kind of outside, outside elements to assist in that. And I bet you it trains you to kind of like think outside the box too. So it's kind of, it's a training exercise for you as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it could be pretty stressful and especially during a pandemic and not being, being able to touch anybody to help with their acrobatics. So on that note, has acrobatics ever stressed you out? Let's say pre-pandemic. <laughs> Um, well, injuries are all never fun, you know, and and that stuff. It's still a risky hobby to have, and getting injured can definitely set you back. So I got injured pretty badly in 2015, and I fell on my neck, and that definitely gave me a lot of stress and pain for a long time. It still does a little bit. It's not completely back to where it should be. So yeah, it's it's a big thing, a big situation. And watching friends get injured too is very stressful. And that's why it's important to have communication, a safe area, and just know your limits. 
Yeah, and, and there is a certain element of it, too, that is, especially when you get up into the high, high-level stuff, even the best acrobats in the world can can just not catch something right or rotate too fast or not land properly or the or just an issue that was completely not their fault at all. And there's a lot of outside forces, equipment failure and such. It has some inherent risk to it. Well, I'm knocking on wood that you get no more injuries in the future. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, so moving away from the actual big injuries, what are some common, let's say, smaller injuries people may have from doing acrobatics? Some people roll ankles um, and sprain wrists, or they'll pull an adductor and abductor, which are the muscles in between your legs uh, and on the sides of your legs. They're not used to being used in those ways. I see that happen a lot. Yeah, wrist injuries are big for people who are working on handstands as well, because your wrists are bearing a lot of weight. If you're not used to that or ready for that, that can have some some pretty nasty consequences. Yeah, those are probably the ones I see the most often, and and we deal with the most often, but everybody has their own thing. Also, just recurring injuries are a thing, where if you have something that has troubled you in the past, it'll come up again and again and again. And, And you see that a lot, especially with adults that come in to acro from gymnastics or cheer or dance and, and they maybe have injured themselves in the past and then that thing will come up again that past injury is just waiting it's like all right all right all right go now now oh, now's wow, the perfect time right. it's most most inconvenient <laughs> time now let's go yeah and not warming up too is just such a big reason for that they're not properly warming up and when people are doing this recreationally as a hobby it that happens a lot they just jump into it for fun they don't have the seriousness or the dedication that also allows you to be really safe and to completely understand how important this is to you. You know what? I always warm up before going to bed because I move a lot when I sleep, so I don't want to pull a muscle when I sleep. That's really brilliant, <laughs> actually. I love it. She puts pillows in between us because I move a lot and I don't want to hit wow. her. But yeah. <laughs> and I talk and sing too, so I do a whole act. Ah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is incredible. I want to buy tickets watch you sleep. Yeah, just we'll just put a camera over like a, a Zoom meeting and just watch me sleep and I'll, I'll sing in <laughs> French for you. I'll do some acrobatics and you'll be like, Alex, that's the, you know, the human body. I do acrobatics. The human body should not bend that way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is a tough question, but it's one of my favorite ones to ask in every single episode. What are some misconceptions about people who do acrobatics? A lot of people think that it's just, you could just do it that people are just naturally this way, or it's like, oh, I just never was flexible, or oh, I could just never do a handstand. It's like, nobody can just do a handstand. (laughs) These aren't, these are never things that I've seen people quickly or easily be able to do ever. It's always things that take some sort of amount of training and consistent strength and awareness and coaching. And a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. And sure, there are people that are a little more naturally flexible, or maybe have easier proportions to twist or to turn but hard work is is everywhere and it, there's no other way to avoid that and a perfect example of this every uh, most of humans have gone through this is learning how to walk it's not like the first time you stood up you already knew how to walk you fell a few times it took mm-hmm. some practice so same Absolutely. thing applies for acrobatics yes for sure and if you had to sum it up in one thing, what would you say acrobatics has taught you in life? I think that back to what I said about a thousand little bits, how it takes a mm-hmm. thousand little bits to get somewhere. And it's, it's about slowly logging the hours to get to where you want to be. And patience, I guess, would be the, the word for that. And do you want to present this hobby to the world or use it more as an escape from reality? Oh, 
both? Can I choose both? <laughs> yeah, you may, you may, you may. <laughs> I like the process of learning it as an escape from reality. I like the process of training a new skill or working hard on something in, in quote unquote secret or behind closed doors. And then being able to present what I've learned through a show or a performance uh, or the internet is a really fun reward for the hard work that I, I put into it. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to have like your own little cup for yourself and a cup that you share with your friends. Except for during COVID, don't share cups. I mean, uh, <laughs> virtual cups, yes. Yeah, virtual <laughs> The cup of knowledge. Yes, Today yes. Came to the cup of knowledge. <laughs> Which yeah. is inf infectious and good for yes. you, right? <laughs> plentiful, plentiful, <Yes>. endless. <laughs> and do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? I think find a coach is a really great place to start. I recommend finding a coach or finding a mentor, um, somebody that can help you through this, especially the beginning, and get you on the right track and right foundation. Um, getting a strong foundation is so important. And when duos or just solo acrobats don't have a strong foundation, it's super easy to to develop bad habits and then not be able to progress as strongly or as well as you could if you had a strong foundation. And you heard this from Leah, and she's absolutely right. I'm not an expert, but she is. So listen to her. Don't listen to me. Don't take any advice from me. You're probably going to see me do some acrobatics in the video promoting this episode. Oh my don't, gosh, I'm so don't, excited. <laughs> don't, you're going to be like, Alex, you know what? This is horrible foundation. It will hold up nothing. <laughs> and I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects that you would love to share so people can come show you some love? Yeah, you can find me at abcsoffitness.com or abcsoffitness on Instagram. Also, if you want to see more circus stuff and acrobatics itself, you can look at acrobatrics, A-C-R-O-B-A-T-R-I-X on Instagram and .com. And you can see all the crazy stuff there. Perfect. I will put all that down below so people can go check that out and absolutely show you some love. Yay. Thank you so much, Alex. Oh, you're very welcome. And now for the last question, the one you probably saw, you'd be like, oh no, this is going to go horribly wrong. Do you have any questions for me about acrobatics? Have you ever done a cartwheel? Uh, I've attempted a cartwheel. My legs did not go straight up. They kind of came around across? Yeah, well, I do a weird one where I both hands go and then I end up landing on both feet. So it's kind of like, like a I, round off. okay, then yeah, I've done a round off. Uh, I, I used to be able to do handstands. And then I realized I would keep on falling on my back, which is, yeah, not, not fun. I can't, I don't know what else I can or cannot do. Against a wall. Ooh, you know what I can do and I'm proud of is that I don't even know the technical term, but I can do like a jump for like laying on my back and land on my feet. I don't even know if that's acrobatics. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that like, that like flip up. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I can't do one of those. There you go. Yeah. That's because I'm, I'm like six foot two and then I'm just using the momentum of my body. But other than that, I'm, I'm not that good. I'll, I'll definitely need your classes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, but that's what I meant though too, Heather. There are things in your proportions that work better. So, yeah. I am horrible with balance. So anything that requires balance, I need a little bit more time to do. <laughs> practice, 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 practice. Exactly. So there you have it. Another body with a hobby. 
Thank you so much, Leah, for just coming on and sharing your love with the world and being so passionate about it and telling me what I should and shouldn't do when it comes to acrobatics and how to be safe. I do appreciate that. And I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much. It's been so great, Chen. (laughs) If you guys would like to learn more about Leah, you should go check her out. I'll put all the links down below and just go show her some love. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you like the podcast and want to show some support, you can leave a review. It could be good or bad. You know, reviews are good. Also, if you want to show some more support, this is completely optional. But you can also uh, support me on Patreon or even buy merchandise. All that information it will be down below. But what you do need to do is go show Leah some love because she's an awesome person, right? Yeah, yeah, you're awesome, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. So once again, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>